Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I am Heath Lambert. My guest this episode, a returning all-star MVP. And it's been a hot minute. What was the last one you were on? Eat lo- Local Eats. or was it Oh, eat right. Locals? Eat Locals, yes. Uh, Sebastian Moreno. Hi, sir. Yeah. Hey. Good to be back. And it's a topic I'm very passionate about. Yeah, for a, given who a, a couple different reasons. Our movie this episode from 1981, a Wes Craven joint, Swamp Thing, also a DC Comics joint. So it's the yeah. Venn diagram of, of our interests here is working out pretty well. Yeah, uh, this one. Uh, yeah, this was this is a very pre Nightmare on Elm Street uh, Wes Craven at work here. Yeah, it's the movie he did. He did it the same year as Hills Has Hills Have Eyes Two, and a year before the first Nightmare on Elm Street. So this is just before he like really, like he was already becoming a name because of Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left and stuff. But well, previously he did Deadly Blessing before Swamp. That too, yeah. But that wasn't like a big, like that didn't really have any cultural impact. I don't feel like, but. Yeah, Swamp Thing, based on the DC Comics character. Definitely Wes Craven's tribute to rubber suit monster movies of the of his childhood, I'm sure. Well, and it's also, I think, a year or two before Alan Moore started his run on the Swamp Thing comics that really changed Swamp Thing, brought it more into the, you know, yeah. made... Because people kind of didn't give a shit about Swamp Thing until Alan Moore wrote it. And then it was like, oh, because he did really interesting things with it which obviously aren't a part of this movie because he hadn't written those yet. Well, true, but I think there's a lot of merit to um, Craven's um, interpretation of the material. I think it's just him having fun with guys in rubber suits. I think that's the thing that he you know, has a, yeah. a, a enjoyment of. And and boy, boy is there a rubber suit least, in this movie. Yeah, at, at the very least, it shows that it showed that Craven can do these um, comic book superhero films in a way that I mean, sure, it's not, it's not the MCU or you know, but it's. I think there's a lot of merit to this film. Uh so here's a a, sh- a shocking, not statistic, but a thing that I hadn't it hadn't really occurred to me until I was looking into this movie and just thinking about Swamp Thing in general that it kind of blew my mind. Okay, so Batman, Superman, you know, they've had countless yeah. incarnations over the years. Now think yeah. about Wonder Woman, okay. She's had yeah. two, really. Linda Carter, yeah. Gal Gadot, maybe an animated yeah. series in the 60s or something, but nothing, you know. The, the Flash has had two live-action shows and now, unfortunately, a live-action film. So if you could call so the it Flash that. has had three sort of incarnations. Yeah, Swamp Thing has had more incarnations than Wonder Woman and The Flash put together which is weird to think oh. about given that because there was the 1981 movie this movie yeah there's the sequel return of swamp thing but i almost count that as a completely different thing because it's a completely different tone it's made by different people it's although it still had one it still had two key uh, actors from the original yeah but it's very like this is a original swamp thing is a very serious movie yeah, Return of Swamp Thing is yeah. a tongue and it's a straight up comedy. So I almost count that as a separate, like reboot kind of thing, rather than a sequel. Yeah, so that's two. I'm not too interested in that one, to be honest. It just 
that one to me just looks like spits in the face of what Craven did. To be I'll honest. say this about the second one though. I like the the look of Swamp Thing more. He definitely they adapted they adopted the sort of the way he looked in the Alan Moore run. Like he looks Fair. he looks a lot better in that second movie. Then there was Fair. there was also an animated television show when I was a child with a corresponding toy line, which is crazy to think about. Swamp Thing had his own show and the Flash has not animated. Then there was a live action TV show in the that was the late 80s, early 90s. There was a live action yeah. TV show on the CW a couple of years ago, which I think is really underrated, actually. I think is was actually pretty good. Because that was the James Wan produced series, which I I still need to see, actually. It's good. I enjoyed it. More so than most of the CW shows. And then mm-hmm. there's the one coming up under James Gunn's, you know, new thing that James Mangold is doing. Yeah. So that's I'm intrigued by think that. of that's crazy to think that Swamp Thing, a character that I think the average non-nerd person on the street could not tell you who Swamp Thing is, has had so many incarnations, more so than Wonder Woman or The Flash or, you know, a lot of other more sort of quote-unquote mainstream characters. I just thought I found that fascinating. Oh, I, I do remember that Swamp Thing was in a Justice League cartoon, one of those. Yeah, he had a cameo or two in there, and so did The Flash, but I don't count. You know, it wasn't his own show, sure. sort of, so I didn't really... But yeah, that's Swamp Thing's been around and done some stuff, and people forget. He's always a constant, you know, obscure or not, but you know, but he finds himself here and there in the comics or other media. Well, people keep going back to him because especially after the stuff that Alan Moore wrote in the comics, he's Swamp Thing is a very yeah. cool, very interesting character that's not like any other yeah. character really so well man thing uh kind of seems similar though that's either coincidental or probably on purpose you know but uh marvel and dc tend to uh copy each other so much you know that's uh it's tradition at this point yeah i'm fairly certain swamp thing was before man thing so that was probably yeah and then yeah there is that man thing movie <laughs> <laughs> but we don't uh, we don't talk about that because that was um, I doubt I'll ever do it. I hope I don't ever that once watching that once was more than enough for me. Uh, we we still have Werewolf by Night for him at least. Yeah, they did them all right in there. But that yeah, there was that Man Thing TV movie from the early aughts, I think, or maybe late nineties even, and that was uh, tested oof. so bad with audiences that it got sent to the Sci Fi Channel. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. It was supposed to come out and beat it. It's it's trash yeah well let's talk let's go through swamp thing it's weird to have text at the beginning telling you what's about to happen in the movie like that's a thing that just doesn't happen anymore (laughs) i mean i think it's to set up the mood which i think you know i think is an effective hook to uh you know you know get you know set up the atmosphere of this kind of like uh i guess creepy swamp thing setting and such yeah but it's got but i mean it's got straight up spoilers it's like alec holland scientist or whatever and a horrible thing happens to him and he becomes a monster (laughs) it's like okay can i just watch the movie and not tell me the whole thing you know the music by henry maffredini have you noticed that it's like have you noticed it's it's, it veers too closely to the his friday the 13th music it yeah yeah, there's some similarities for sure (laughs) yeah it's uh it kind of brings it kind of brings to mind that you know that he's 
you're playing the same kind of instrumentals, but it works. It works. So we have Adrian Barbeau, classic '80s scream queen, I guess. But she was def- she was uh, obviously a big John Carpenter, yeah, actress. Yeah, working with hmm. Wes this time. Yeah, playing Alice Cable, who's being choppered into the swamp. What what is her job? Can you explain to me <laughs> what? I don't understand the structure of. Is this a government agency, a corporation? I don't. I assume government agency, considering that, you know, she's sent to this uh, scientific facility and she does at one point call the government. Or she thinks she thinks she does. Yeah. Yeah. But I never I never understood what her job is, what her position is. She's coming out, I guess, to check and make sure everything's okay. I don't. I just just assume supervisor for who? Because they have the, like these sensors out in the swamp, but what's that for? Because like there's guys here to protect Alec Holland and the experiments he's doing with plant DNA and stuff. But it's like just in a shack in the swamp instead of like a real lab. I mean, I guess you need to be in the swamp to do swamp experiments, but yeah, it's pretty high tech, this lab. So yeah, but it was never clear to me if it was the government or a corporation and what her job <laughs> job description is, but okay i just assume eta stuff maybe there's some soldiers or mercenaries in camo creeping around the swamp uh, the... one of which played by um david hess who was in last house on the left with Wes craven yeah he played krug the uh the the lead uh lead rapist that's not uh you know that's around that yeah. and he's he's ferret in this one right yeah. yes a man who just carries a live snake around in his pocket. <laughs> he's a sadist. <laughs> but he's he's like he's like Boyd Holbrook and Logan. That's what I was thinking of you know, for comparison's sake. But he's carrying because they catch somebody like is it a, who is it a reporter or one of, is just one of the government guys? Or just one of the scientists. Yeah, they, you know they were they were looking like uh, everyone else was looking for him, but he just he just gets straight up killed. Well, but how he gets killed is Ferret pulls a live venomous snake from his pants pocket and stabs this guy in the face with it. Like, sir, (laughs) why are you carrying a live poisonous snake around in your pocket just in case you run into someone? Like, that? what a lunatic. A lunatic. I mean, I guess it's supposed to make him seem badass, but that to me it just makes him seem like a crazy person. (laughs) I mean, the villains are already crazy in this, and especially as it goes on. So, yeah. Yeah, we have Alec Holland, who is under constant guard, uh, and his sister, not his wife. Alice Cable assumes yeah. that it's his wife, but it's not. It's his sister. And it's Alec yeah. Holland's played by a young Ray Wise. It's weird to see Ray Wise young. I'm so used to seeing him playing the devil in things as like an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. And it's weird seeing him in like his, I don't know what, late 20s early 30s I, probably uh in his in my case i first knew of him in the um, disney film the journey of natty gan yeah he's in that he was the father. i think the thing i always think of him as he played the devil in that show reaper oh yeah he was in that too yeah he was the devil in that but he's always you know some kind of nefarious but i'm just not used to seeing a, him young and it threw me off he's a notable character actor throughout his career you know yeah and he's always great yeah. So yeah, Alice is introduced to them. She assumes that 
his sister is his wife and so is a little thrown off when he immediately starts hitting on her like he is he's not letting grass metaphorically or his or literally grow under his feet because he is just immediately hitting on adrian barbeau which look i get it it's adrian barbeau yeah but yeah <laughs> and she's like what just giving him stink eye because like your wife's right there but it's not his wife it's his sister it turns <laughs> out yeah but he's so in tune with the swamp yeah and he's doing experiments with plant dna mixing them with animal dna to try to make animal plant hybrid sort of to make stronger crops that have like it's evolutionary drive to survive in a desert yeah. climate or in places where like food deserts are you know noble Dude. stuff yeah it's craving just straight up leading into the silver age stuff yeah so alice adrian marbeau gets sent out well there's this guy the guy what uh, what's the guy's name ritter Ritter is sort of the man in charge of security at this lab, and he has no time for women. <laughs> like, this guy, yeah. what an asshole. He's like, yes. Oh, God, what is a woman doing here? Like, but she, so he sends her out to check on this sensor that went down. What are these sensors for? Couldn't tell you. No idea. It must be animal life, I guess. But the last guy who was supposed to go check it got attacked by an alligator and they had to rush him to the hospital. So maybe she's like that guy's replacement. I don't know. But And Alec Holland sort of sneaks along with her and convinces her to take him with her, even though he's supposed to stay there under guard and not put himself in any sort of danger because his work is so important, I guess, to whoever. But yes, they're going out to check this sensor. The entire time he's sweet talking or putting on the verbal moves and <laughs> you know and being philosophical about nature because he says about uh you can look for beauty in the swamp like basically a very metaphorical sense yeah he loves the swamp but he's also it's also him putting the moves on it like he's yeah he's being very poetic and philosophical about the swamp but also yeah he's talking about like sex drive and stuff like he's really laying it on thick and she doesn't appear to have too much time for it, though she will apparently later fall madly in love with him very quickly. I don't know. I wonder if there's a longer version of this that had more. Well, well, I do know that uh, Craven had to deal with uh, tight schedules and the budget got slashed by the producers. Um, you know, they did some things that that Craven wasn't too pleased. Like, uh, like uh, there are two different cuts. Well, one is slightly longer, but it's just mostly mainly gratuitous nudity. Which this one already like this one already movie. has. Unless this is the longer cut, I guess I'm not sure. Whatever whichever one is uh, on Tubi is the one I watched. Long, but it's only longer by two minutes. And uh, this one uh, on Tubi is the um ninety two minute cuts, basically. It's only a minute by a long by one minute longer. Because you know? what's Craven? I mean, I think past this movie doesn't really have like none of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies have or not well not the Nightmare on Elm Streets he did don't have nudity in them the Scream movies don't have nudity in them so it's actually a little glaring to see as much nudity well, as there Craven, is in this one and obviously well, Craven his earlier was stuff than this but well Craven wanted a PG rated cut and you know he did get that in the US 
but uh, for overseas markets, they added that in, and Craven wasn't too pleased with that. He called it very gratuitous. Well, did they film it without him, like second unit or something? Because I, I must be, because you know he wasn't too pleased, and I don't believe Adrian Barbeau was either. Well, but I mean, she knows they're filming; like she's in the swamp naked, and they well, know there's a camera be... pointed at her. So I don't know. It's not like it was a surprise. I guess I don't know. I guess he not wanting to do it and being like forced to do it. I get that, but well, it was it was more after the fact because. There was an incident when um, this was first released on DVD. MGM printed the um, the international cuts by mistake or on purpose, whichever. But but uh, somebody noticed a Dallas mother in Texas um, noticed and complained, and uh, basically MGM scrambled and released the PG rated cut as intended. And apparently, they did try. To um, get Adrian Bro to agree to uh, sign off on the international cut being released, but she wasn't she wasn't budging because you know she stated in her contract that the U.S. Um, version would be PG rated, hmm. and that's what she agreed to. Interesting. But then why film the nudity in the first? Place? I don't know. Well, it's it's just like I said, it's for overseas markets, you know, just for I don't know, make more money. Uh, Those horny French. I, I guess you could say that, maybe. Because there's also there's also nudity later at at Arcane's mansion. So they just they, girls oh, just dancing around. So it's like, oh, oh, that's in the international cut too. It's just not it's not something I am used to seeing in a in a Wes Craven movie. I forgot because I I saw this the last time I saw this movie. I would have been when I was I don't know thirteen fourteen years old. Saw it on cable and hadn't watched it nah. again since. So. And I didn't really remember any of it watching it this time, except for the scene, and we'll get to it, but the scene at the dinner table when Bruno transforms into the little oh, pig yeah. man. That scene, when that played, I was like, oh, I remember this. Like that, that I remembered very specifically. But that was the only scene from the movie that I really remembered. I would say pig goblin, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know what he turned into with that face. So they get back, yeah, they get back to the lab, the two of them. Ritters really puts his misogyny on display and he's yelling at her about yeah. how she has no business being here and taking out their, like, he's supposed to be under yeah. guard. You should just go home. There's no place for a woman here. They hear a boom from inside mm -hmm. the lab. They run inside and there's been a breakthrough. Whatever the last version of this serum that he made is, his sister dropped some drops on the floor and they like exploded. Yeah. Although I got to say good on Alec Holland to um, uh, defend Alice from Ritter. Yeah, he does his best. He's like, no, it was my idea to go with. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> like, You're not supposed to make decisions. You're supposed to just shut up and work. Like, what a jerk. But and then also the, the place where she dropped the droplets that exploded, then the boards of the floor are sprouting again. They're growing. new. Yeah leaves or needles or whatever that the wood is made out of so this is a huge yeah. breakthrough and in, in and it's happening very quickly and he's looking at the slides of like oh wow look how fast it's replicating so unexpected success with this serum this new version of it like i said craven was leaning into the uh, silver age because he's he's made the first plant cells with animal nu nucleuses 
And then, so our, it's Arcane's Manor, these mercenary guys that are running around outside, Ferret and Bruno and some other nameless whoever's. We'll call them flunkies, henchmen. Well, they grab Alice when she's out. Well, she puts up a fight, though. She's a badass because oh, yeah. the one guy grabs her and she throws him down to the ground and, like, is just, she just pummeling him, like, him, just... like throat punching him. And, like, and then she picks up her machine gun and just shoots the shit out of this other guy. Like, she has yeah. no. Like, she's not a damsel. Not a damsel. You know, Craven was always often, you know, good at writing women. In this scene, you know? she kind of becomes a little bit of one later, but initially, she's super badass. Yeah. Although uh, we'll get to a certain moment because uh, this movie kind of created Nancy Thompson for Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. But they do wind up, they, they grab her and sort of knock her out and use her hand or eye or whatever is needed for the biometric lock to get them into the lab. They come in, they've got Alec and his sister at gunpoint, and then Ritter walks in and he's like, oh no, Ritter, you're a traitor or whatever you work with him. And then this is the Silver Age shit for sure, because Ritter, like a Mission Impossible mask, only not as good looking, pulls his face off and underneath is Louis Jourdain, who plays, who's Anton Arcane. A year before Octopussy. Yeah. Because he was the bad guy in that one. Yeah, he was the villain in that. And he kind of, I got to say, Louise Jordan really does, really does... Um, He's like one of the best things about the film because he's so he's so slimy of a villain that he just Jordan Jordan gets into that gets into the role. Well, and he also I think he does the right thing, which is it would be super easy to be very camp and over the top and tongue in cheek with this material, which is definitely what the second movie is. But he's playing it like I mean, he's, you know, not even melodramatic, but like he's playing it like this is. I'm in a normal movie where I'm, you know, the villain and I'm yeah. the bad guy. You know, it's good. Yeah, it's pretty. It's good performances, kind of all around. Yeah, uh, but he winds up like just him pulling his mask off is is pretty silly stuff. But <laughs> I'll go with it because yeah. Is. But they wind up. The sister makes a break for it. They gun her down. So Alex's sister, Alec sister is dead they want this journal of his that's got the plans for this all his notes and stuff and scientific scientific formulas for this thing that he's working on not knowing that he has pages of it locked up in a safe or something you know that's you know that insert shot of the safe is the most it's like the most complex panel of a shot you can get yeah because there's like it's like the one shot of Alex's sister just putting the journal in the safe. Like that's, you know, that's, you can easily, you know, see that as like a comp book panel. And then Alec in trying to keep his formula away from them sort of spills it on himself and it goes up like a tinderbox. He's just on fire. Yeah. Completely engulfed in flame. It's a, very it's a good stunt burn. Yeah. He runs all the way out of the lab, down to the water, jumps in the swamp. And the assumption is that he's dead. Fun fact about that. That's the same stunt Freddy actor in the original Nightmare on Elm Street when um, Freddy got burned um, around the third act climax. Yeah, when he falls down the stairs and he's running. That's another like crazy long burn. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the same uh, stunt actor. Well, he's good at it and brave, so <laughs> keep using him. <them>. Yeah. <laughs> so the 
Arcane takes the journal and leaves. His men are sort of have Alice out in a boat and he's trying to drown her in the water. Ferret is. And then out of the water comes a thing. One might say <laughs> a swamp thing. <laughs> it's a good jump scare, though. And grabs Ferret by the head, throws him in. I, I will say this. Swamp thing's fighting style is just picking guys up and throwing them. <laughs> That's all he's got in this movie. Because he doesn't, it's you know, it's not till sort of later that he can control plants. And he's like a plant elemental and all this stuff. That was Alan Moore stuff. So this is just a big lumbering plant Frankenstein guy who just picks guys up and throws them through the air yeah. <laughs> as his one move. Although at this point it's play, he's played by a different actor, Dick, um, Dick Duroc. Yeah. Him. Yeah. I, I can't pronounce his last name. I apologize. It was Alec or uh, Ray wise is not a giant. And this man is a giant and he, yeah. Yeah. He played him in the second movie and the, that live action TV show as well. I believe. I think I think they did use his natural voice here as well. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so he saves Alice from drowning, chucks Ferret in the water, tips their boat over or whatever, and then there's quite a while in the movie that's just him picking guys off, like sneaking through the swamp. Oh, do you hear that over there? What is it? And then he appears behind him and just, yeah, he picks them up and throws them into a tree, and that's the end of them. So you do have the moment of Alice just um, not recognizing who that is, you know, because... You know, well, yeah. well, yeah, she's scared of him, too. It's a swamp thing. It's some sort of crazy monster. She obviously doesn't realize that it's Alec yeah. Holland because he's twice the size, first off. <laughs> also, you know, but she she's she gets away. She runs through the swamp. She gets to sort of not a town, yes. a gas station, some sign of civilization. I love this kid. There's this little black kid sitting outside with big Coke bottle glasses, and he sees this white yeah, lady she... coming out of the swamp and he goes, oh, here comes trouble. <laughs> Like, you know? <laughs> I've seen. Love, oh boy, white lady walking. That. Here we go. What's her? I love What's that. her problem going to be? And fun fact, that's Reggie Batts, who would be uh, this, who would be in Fighter Thirteenth Part Five. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this kid Jude, he's hanging around her here and there. He takes her into the gas station, and she's like, "Do you have a gun?" And he's like, "Where do you think you are? Of course, I have a gun." <laughs> he helps gives her this old ass pistol. Which immediately blows up in her hand because Arcane's guy shows up, show up to catch her again, and she goes to shoot at them, and the gun immediately blows up in her hand. So she has to just run into the swamp, and they're chasing her some more. And Swamp Thing's picking off some more guys. They're trying to run her down with a jeep, and he stops it. And yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, the, the earlier moments. Um, there was a moment before she fired the gun that she trips, and Wes Craven's daughter. Criticized her dad for that. She she told him that girls don't trip. And that sort of calling out just stuck with the guy. And when it came to writing Nightmare on Elm Street, um, that, that stuck out in his mind when he created Nancy Thompson. That that was that was the exact moment that okay. led to uh, Craven creating Nancy. Interesting. Speaking of his, his family members, Arcane's uh, secretary is played by Mimi Craven, who was Wes Craven's wife at oh, yeah. the time i believe that's when they first met or like it was a bit parts but it kind of got expanded upon i mean not much she doesn't but... have much to do she comes into the room and's like mr arcane so-and-so's here or whatever you know <laughs> like does that yeah. a couple times but it's something and then so she alice gets to a payphone and tries to call back to wherever she came from and say hey you know alec is dead the experiment's 
captured by this, you know, but Arcane has somehow intercepted the call in his limousine. Limousine. She doesn't recognize his voice because when he attacked and revealed that he was Ritter or whatever, she was unconscious somewhere. So uh, he was, although he still put up a different voice when talking to her. A just... little bit. So she thinks she has called in the problem and help is on its way, and it's not because he has inter- not only intercepted the call, so no help is coming, but it's also. It's like, oh, well, where are you right now? And she tells them gas station, whatever, you know, or pay phone. Yeah. So now they know where she is again. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's two shots in particular where this rubber suit, the Swamp Thing suit really doesn't hold up, which I'll, it's budget, I get it. But like when these boats are attacking them, there's sort of a wide shot of Swamp Thing and you can clearly see like the line where the headpiece joins onto the suit. Like <laughs> it's pretty clear and there's lots of times that he like turns and you can see the rubber suit like bunch up at his waist in a a way that flesh would not (laughs) so it is what it is Flesh budget you know craven could only do so much but you know but for what it's worth he he was proud of himself that he did everything on time and on budget you know despite the limitations although he still had some problems um we'll uh get to what he uh didn't like the most apparently wow. near the I end. I wonder if it's what I didn't like the most too. We'll see. Yeah, I'm not knocking it. It's just I'm just there are some shots, especially in you know, and probably in the VHS days, maybe you couldn't even see it, but now in you know a slightly higher higher definition, it's yeah. a little easier to see just how cheap this suit is. I think there's a new 4K of this movie coming this month. Interesting. I don't know that I need that in my life, but for people who want it, that's good. Yeah. So Swamp Thing returns to the burnt-out lab and is sort of mourning his sister, mourning his own humanity. That was a very effective scene, I find that. You know, I kind of, like, huge props to um, Dick... I'm sorry, I keep forgetting Durock. his last Dick, I can't... Dick Durock. Dick Durock. Like, he's... He is very, he's very solid in this. Like, Craven did not skimp out on which stuntman he wanted to hire because he... You know, he really does a good job emphasizing, you know, the moments where he's in, he's distraught over his loss of a sister, loss of humanity, that he can't do what he did as a human, you know, and it's a very, it's a very well done scene. I, I quite, I quite found that a bit emotional. Well, it's also a moment of what he was talking about earlier, beauty in the swamp, because the flowers that they had tested on earlier are not only still alive from the lab burning down, but are like thriving. They're like growing up the walls, like these pink flowers. So it's like these beautiful pink flowers amidst the black and gray of the burnt out lab. So it's thematically uh, and visually interesting. It's a very neat contrast. And then what happens? The, they're out. The bad guys are out in boats chasing them. They catch sight of them. They're trying to get the last journal and Alice has it. She managed to grab it um, while Alec wasn't looking. Yeah, and also trying to kill this swamp beast that's taking them out. They're throwing grenades at him from boats, and he's yeah. tipping their boats over. You know, I gotta say, those were impressive stunt... That was impressive uh, stunt work on the hover boats. Yeah, he flips the boat. One of them exploded. Well, two of them technically, but yeah. Yeah, Arcane's man do sort of... Or Ferret catches up to him, cuts Swamp Thing's arm off with a machete. So the rest of the movie, he's running around with one arm. But then he finally, instead of throwing someone, he grabs Ferret and like crushes his skull with one hand. That, with his super that's strength. when the PC rating uh, did mean something like that. 
it wasn't overly gruesome, but it was a satisfying death. Yeah, no, you just see some blood. Yeah. Trickle down his head. It's not like a super gore effect or anything, but it's lighthearted compared to how he died in the last house on the left. (laughs) Yeah. So Alice catches up with Swamp Thing and realizes it's Alec Holland. And she asks him, like, oh, does it hurt being a swamp thing? And he says, only when I laugh, which is... I gotta say, that was a... <laughs> I wanna say that was... I found that very... I found that moment very endearing. You know, it got me... It got me a bit emotional. It got me much emotional, to be honest. Uh, honestly, chemistry was just there. I just... Uh, I think that I, one of the major things I like about this film is that... Uh, that kind of beauty in the beast angle and as well as this uh theme of like man is the real monster like you have arcane being this very privileged fancy guy but he's very ruthless and you have alec who despite being transformed into a swamp monster and he's not human but he does at least have some humanity left in him yeah this is like i said this is before the alan moore run where it turns out it's a bit of a retcon sort of the famous uh, anatomy lesson issue where we find out that there, it's not Alec Holland at all. It's a plant who thinks it's Alec Holland, <laughs> which is That's pretty cool. Like Alec Holland, there's nothing of actually Alec Holland's body in there. Alec Holland died and like a plant absorbed his like it's a, it's a full-on plant in the shape of a man who believes he used to be Alec Holland, but isn't, which is obviously not in this movie, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah. And then she decides to, yeah, take a nude bath in the swamp, which is the dirtiest water imaginable. So I don't know. You're not really getting clean. So it really does seem gratuitous. In the PG rated cut, it was like best nudity you'd get as a side boob, but international cuts it's you know full-on frontal nudity and like i said craven didn't like that and i'm going to guess like you theorize that they kind of just shot that scene without him yeah i wonder because there's no it doesn't even make sense to take a like you can't you can't take a bath to get clean in a swamp it's disgusting gross stagnant water like you're only gonna get more dirty so i don't know but and then creeper swamp thing is just standing off in the bushes watching her. <laughs> so they get uh, old Swampy and Alice get are getting chased again, and Swamp Thing runs up to. He lets himself get captured on purpose just to save, just to save Alice. He does. It's a fairly comical, cartoonish net that falls out of a tree and lands on exactly on Swamp Thing, and he reveals that like, yeah, I let them catch me. I why I don't know I guess so that they can be taken to Arcane that's a pretty big assumption though rather than just why don't they just I would assume they're just going to set me on fire if they catch me and kill me and like why take me back to your house but that's what he does I'm guessing he just pegged Arcane as like a big game hunter of sorts or maybe they need him to Give them the answers they need to perfect the formula or something. Yeah, that is better. Yeah, that is true because he does get asked. He does get asked, you know, about certain details. Better kept alive until we have that figured out. Yeah. So they take an arcade mansion where, yeah, there's like live nude girls. There's like a bunch of just house guests, rich whatever's of friends of arcanes or something 
around and then he has like dancing girls dancing for them and but then there's that speech by arcane that you know he captured the dragon saved the damsel like it's craven literally just you know hammering in the um the symbolism and themes you know man being the real monster and such yeah and then he's like we've successfully completed alec holland's formula we just need to test it. Luckily, the hero of the day, like our last remaining soldier of fortune that Swamp Thing didn't kill or throw into the swamp or whatever, is here. Bruno. And whether he knows yeah. it or not, um, he's our guinea pig because I've <laughs> that's the thing you just drank is the formula. And he starts, he's he starts he's doing this. Guy, this is the scene that I remember from when I watched, saw it when I was a kid. Is him like making these high pitched like squeals of like they're like coughing and choking and like drooling and like and he falls beneath it you could see sort of his skin kind of bubbling and doing transformation stuff and then he falls below the table and when he pops back up he's yeah he's like a little he, he's almost like a like Vern Troyer yeah in like pig like piggish sort of makeup <laughs> well let's just call it a pig mole thing yeah it reminds me of like Island of Dr. Moreau or something I don't doubt that was on Craven's mind as well. And so Arcane's like, ooh, sheesh, I guess maybe we haven't perfected just quite yet because that's not what you want. Well, he does. Alec brings up the the fact that the formula just enhances like what's on the inside in a way. Like, um, like he mentions Bruno doesn't have the strength. So it's it's a very symbolic kind of deal where, you know, you know, you are who you are on the inside and such, you know, especially given what happens to uh, Arcane later on. Yeah, and it's Arcane's sort of misunderstanding of what this formula does, because they've got Swamp Thing and Alice chained up down in this dungeon below the mansion or whatever. And Arcane's thought is like, oh, Bruno, you know, he's ugly and stupid. So it brought out the ugly and stupid. But what actually has happened because now he talk because he used to talk like hey I'm Bruno I've got a gun blah 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 now he's a very like his voice is different and he's very sort of well spoken and like oh please come with me I will help you you know like very so it actually brought out his inner smarts in a yeah. way like he's ugly on the inside so it made him into an ugly little creature but it also brought out his smarts in a way so that's an interesting take on it and he's pissed off of course about being transformed against his will into yeah. <laughs> Vern Troyer in a pig mask. Yeah. So he helps. Uh, well, first Swamp Thing grows his arm back. She's like, ooh, there's sunlight up there. Can you reach it? And he does. And his a vine a comes thing. out and grows into a new arm. So he has his arm back. And then little, little Bruno Monster Man helps them escape. And I guess there's a... I was going to mention that before we go any further, there's a a line said to Bruno, one of the soldiers says, it's God against all. That, believe it or not, is taken from a Werner Herzog film that Craven has admitted was an influence on the film. Hmm. Well, I mean, it, it, if you're going to crib lines, Werner Herzog's not a bad guy to do it from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all good. I'll keep talking while you look it up. Arcane drinks. He's uh, like, I found it. Okay. I found it. Craven referenced the Werner Herzog film The Enigma of Caspar Hauser, which was originally called Every Man for Himself and God Against All. So, okay. 
so Arcane can't help himself, even though he knows, like, well, because Swamp Thing has told him, you know, oh, it brings out what's truly inside of you. And of course, being an egomaniac that he is, Arcane's like, well, fine, if I drink it, I'll just become like the smartest, best, coolest person on the planet who's just unstoppable. And uh, that's not what happens because he drinks it and (laughs) his skin starts bubbling and going crazy. And he's inside like a cocoon sort of thing. And when he breaks out of the cocoon, my me- my memory, I don't know what I'm remembering, but my memory of it from when I was a kid was when he comes out of this cocoon, him looking a lot kind of like um, Hordak from She-Ra, like, <laughs> with like fins, like fins on the side of his head and a more it's skeletal the face. It's the pig noises he makes that kind of get that impression. That's not what comes out of this thing. It looks like a werebore like it's a man <laughs> with like yeah that's uh a werewolf mask and a pig nose like yeah uh, apparently according to uh, the commentary on the screen factory blu-ray at least at least what i read um i haven't exactly listened to it i don't have a copy but apparently when asked about when craven was asked about this effect about this the third act deal about how the monsters look uh craven replied with a big sigh yeah, you could tell that this is the point where the budget ran out because this thing does not look good. <laughs> like it does, the face doesn't move at all. The eyes don't move at all, or blank. Like it's a pretty cheap mask. Well, maybe like crazy werewolf hair and sort of like yeah, but like a pig snout and yeah, it's well, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate it. I mean, I don't think it looks that bad. It, I mean, it got the point across, given that, um, at the very least, it got the point across that uh, that Arcane, this was not what Arcane had hoped for, that he just starts smashing everything and just goes on a rampage. No, because what he actually is inside is an evil monster, and so that's what yeah. he turned into. So but At least it got the point across of what the, the themes are, man being the real monster, and it just yeah. brought out the ugly side of him. So he grabs a sword off the wall, like a straight up like claymore off the wall, like a broadsword or something. And he's gonna run out of the basement. He's looking to kill them because his life is ruined now. He's a monster. And uh, little Bruno helps them escape. He leads them to there's like a big cistern down in the dungeon that is just an yeah, open a- channel. If you jump in, it's just you swim down far enough. It's just an open channel to the swamp. So yeah. they jump in there, swim out, and escape. I think there was an extended chase scene that had to be cut because of the slashed budgets. Oh, like an underwater chase? That would be cool. Yeah. But like I said, slashed budgets, you know, during filming and such. But of course, Arcane follows them out. He's got a sword. He's fighting him and Swamp Thing are tussling. And in the sort of melee, he stabs Alice sort of in the heart or the the right lung (laughs) somewhere in her chest. And she falls down dying. Swamp Thing beats the shit out of him out of Arcane with like a big ass tree branch. Yeah. A cudgel. And uh, then uses his swamp powers, I guess, to to heal her. But you did use on Jude earlier. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he healed the, the kid too, who we haven't yeah. seen in a while, but that's right. He had a he had a particularly funny reaction upon seeing Swamp Thing himself. Like, holy it's there goes the neighborhood that's his words yeah that kid rules yeah (laughs) 
Uh, and that's it. Arcane is disposed of. Alice is healed, and Swamp Thing's like, well, yeah, know, the world of man is no place for me, and I'm just gonna go live in the swamp. Bye, Alice. Well, technically, he had one more fight with uh, Arcane after Alice healed, and then he Arcane gets the shit kicked out of him and dies. Yeah, well, it's a Wes Craven movie. You got to have one last scare, yeah. right? That's the scream yeah. rules, and he put it in here yeah. too. So, yeah, yeah, Arcane jumps back up, but he gets defeated again. So, yeah, and then he stabs him. Swamp Thing kills him with the sword or whatever. So, yeah. Swamp Thing's gonna go live alone, and Alice is gonna mm-hmm. go back to society and. They're doomed. I could really that moment too. You know, just Love like affair is over. Like it got me teary. I just seeing that. You know, like yeah, he Alec knows he he can't. You know, he can't work with. He can't work with people again. And Alice tries convincing him, but it just he knows it's not going to work out. Sadly, and it's a it's a very well done bittersweet moment. I found you know, and uh, at least until. Return of the Swamp Thing when Heather Locklear plays Arcane's Abby Arcane from the Alan Moore comics in a, in a comedy version of Swamp Thing, where Swamp Thing looks a lot better than he does in here, but it's a pretty fucking silly movie, which I should, I kind of feel like I should revisit too because I also haven't seen that one since I was a teenager either. But and that Swamp Thing, it's it's fine. I don't know. It is what it is. I think you like it a, a bit more than I do, but I or at do. least have a soft I, spot for it anyway. Yeah, I, I think, um, like, yes, I'm biased in favor of Wes Craven, but I think there's just simply a lot of merit to Swamp Thing that's, you know, I think gets overlooked. I, You know, it does, it did definitely show Craven that he can do these sort of superhero blockbusters. You know, I, I know that, I know that I think around the 90s he was supposed to do Doctor Strange, and that sadly didn't work out, which, you know, pity, I would have loved to see that. Yeah, that would be interesting. And like I said, I like the themes of Swamp Thing and as well as, you know, the chemistry between the two characters and Adrian Barbeau is, she's really good. And honestly, Dick Durmock is, I think he was very solid in the role and had strong chemistry with Barbeau. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't think it's like terrible. It's just not, you know, I mean, it's you, fair. The, you can definitely see things that were, I think, mostly out of West Craven's control that. Yeah, no. I mean, to be fair, he tried. Although, uh, fun fact about these film producers, Benjamin Meckler and Michael Uslan do end up producing all the Batman movies. Like, this and Batman were like uh, like kind of a package deal of, you know. Well, Michael like, Uslan is a big DC. Like, he produced yeah. most DC movies up until probably a couple of years ago because he was, yeah, he was the big DC he was the guy who Particularly was Superman. He he was in the big into Superman stuff too. He was pushing for Batman hard, but I don't think I ever heard him talk about Wes Craven. I'm I'm curious what he, you know, what uh, Uslan thought of Craven, or what Craven thought of him. I don't know. Well, it is that point in the episode when I press the magic button to see what next episode's movie, chosen completely at random from everything streaming, will be. Wheel of Morality. Turn, turn, turn. Show us the lesson that we should learn. Pressing the magic button now. Next episode's movie is A Stalker in the House from 2021. It is on Amazon Prime and Tubi. 
It looks How blunt like, of a title can you be? I've, I mean, I'm guessing it's about a stalker in the house. <laughs> Self-explanatory. Doesn't seem like a metaphor. Yeah, I'm guessing it's like a. It's probably like a life, like a lifetime movie or something akin to it. Probably. It's definitely got that kind of title, "Stalked by My Doctor." Three or whatever. A stalker in um, the house on Tubi and Amazon from 2021 is everyone's homework for next week. Sir, thank you for joining me once again. As always, where can people find you? Oh, I'm on I'm on Twitter, MVBR1891. Um, I'm on Twitter there, and uh, assuming uh, that place doesn't blow up, it's still around. I <laughs> I thought I'm it would be gone by now, but it's still there. I'm sticking around till the end. You know, I'm, but I'm also on the uh, podcast Agents of SJW, where um, my friend right. Riley, uh, co-hosts. Um, we do a podcast on the MCU, basically. Is it back? Not yet, sadly, but okay. we might as well do a plug. But plug it's like, anyway. yeah, of course, it's out there. I am on Twitter at Heath Lambert seventy eight. The show is at that's a random P two. The show is also on a number of other platforms such as Mastodon, Hive, Slasher, TikTok. Uh, under some form or other of that's a random that's a random pod or that's a random podcast uh, the show has an email address that's a random pod at gmail.com and artwork for the show is by joe humphrey who is at mr joe humphrey on twitter and slasher and i think that's it thanks for listening everybody thanks to sebastian for joining me again to talk about swamp thing and come back next week for a stalker in the house. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. See ya.